One Bitcoin user was anything but thankful yesterday after they managed to pay a $3.1 million fee for one transaction. Good morning. You're listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph with me, Robert Bags, steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you want to stay ahead of the curve in crypto, you better make sure you click that follow button. Okay, grab yourself a coffee. Let's get into it. I hope you folks in the US had a lovely Thanksgiving and I hope you aren't emptying your coffers on Black Friday. Here is a rundown of everything we're going to discuss today. A Bitcoin user spends $3.1 million on a single transaction fee. Stablecoins will remain indispensable under Argentina's new president. South Korea plans a pilot for its CBDC next year. The wallet of Satoshi app vanishes for US users and Jim Cramer admits he's wrong on Bitcoin. I tell you what, there is certainly one Bitcoin user who won't feel like going on a spending spree this Black Friday. So yesterday, a Bitcoin user paid 83.7 Bitcoin in a transaction fee for the transfer of 139.42 Bitcoin. This means that the user spent $3.1 million on a Bitcoin transaction and somehow... That's only the 8th highest in Bitcoin's 14-year history. The user tried to transfer 139.42 Bitcoin to another wallet, but thanks to the obscene 83.7 Bitcoin transaction fee, the recipient netted only 55.77 Bitcoin. That's the first and last time I will refer to 55 Bitcoin as only. There were rumours as to what happened here, with one theory garnering the most support. An error involving replaced by fee known as RBF. Okay, so what's RBF? When the Bitcoin network is busy, transaction fees are higher, yes, but it's also slower to process these transactions. RBF is a way of jumping the queue and announcing that you're willing to pay more for the transaction if it can be prioritised. The network will then replace your original transaction fee with a higher one. As the miners get the transaction fee, naturally they will try to grab the transactions with the highest fee and so you get processed quicker. So the theory is this. The user put in the transfer for 139.42 Bitcoin and it was added to the mempool. That's just where Bitcoin transactions are queued until approved and added to the Bitcoin blockchain. The user then repeatedly replaced the fee using RBF in the hopes of cancelling it, only to ramp up the fee further. The fee was essentially snowballing every time they replaced it. The RBF history shows that the last replacement added 12.5 Bitcoin, about $500,000 in fees. Something similar to this has happened in the past, with one instance as recent as this September. The Bitcoin exchange Paxos accidentally sent $500,000 as the transaction fee for just a $2,000 Bitcoin transfer. On that occasion, Paxos got very lucky indeed, as the F2 pool miner who verified the transaction and got the cool half a million as a thank you returned it to Paxos. So you might wonder if Antpool, the processor of this $3.1 million transaction, might return it to the likely distraught user. Well, we don't know yet. But I would love to have heard that user's answer to what they are thankful for yesterday. Next up, we are on our way back to Argentina. On Monday's episode, I took a look at Javier Millet winning the presidency and why it might be important to crypto. The long and short of it is that inflation has gone out of control, with an over 140% increase in annual inflation in the last 12 months. In case you missed Monday's episode, I will reiterate what Alfonso Martel Seward, head of compliance and AML at the Argentinian crypto exchange Lemon Cash, said. You can walk up to any Argentinian person and ask how many pesos to a dollar and they'll know. As crypto adoption has grown, lots of people here will now get their paycheck and immediately put it into USDT or USDC. 
So this story is about stablecoins in Argentina again, and the faith in these stablecoins has been echoed by the CEO of Argentinian crypto exchange, Ripio. The CEO, Sebastián Serrano, a former economics professor, said that the Argentinian crypto community has responded enthusiastically to Millet's election, I suspect because of Millet's appreciation of Bitcoin and likely stablecoins. Ripio saw a 180% rise in new users in October, and 110% week-on-week increase in new users up to the 19th of November, and it's stablecoins that appear to be driving this adoption. Serrano said, With the difficulties in accessing both banknotes and bank dollars, stablecoins have become indispensable for many companies and individuals. If we move towards dollarization or bimonetarism, but with less accessibility to dollars, stablecoins will continue to become more and more important. Millet has suggested in the past that he will eliminate the Central Bank of Argentina, though Serrano would prefer it fixed or replaced. Whatever the case, stablecoins have become an integral part of daily life in Argentina, and the adoption levels are just going up and up. It was our writer Derek Anderson who wrote this piece up, and so I wanted to get his thoughts on the situation with Millet and crypto. The Argentine president-elect is a colorful guy. He has that demagogical hair and dramatic way of speaking, and when he was running, he had lots of loud opinions. He was critical of China and BRICS and the Argentine Central Bank and plenty more. Now he's answerable for what he said. China is a major trading partner of Argentina, and Malay would prefer for it to remain that way. So he's been backpedaling. Mr. Serrano was talking about how crypto, especially stablecoin, is becoming ingrained in Argentina's economic life, and it will only be getting stronger at this point. But we're still glad Malay is pro-crypto. Okay, speaking of countries leaning more into crypto, David Attlee wrote an article yesterday on South Korea's CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, pilot. The Bank of Korea, South Korea's central bank, has said it will invite 100,000 Korean citizens into the digital currency pilot program. The testing phase will begin around September to October 2024, and then it will last for three months. During this pilot, Korean citizens will be asked to purchase goods with the tokens, but will not be able to store them, exchange them, or send them to other users. The beta phase of the CBDC is primarily to evaluate the feasibility and effectiveness of a digital currency. Interestingly, the pilot will include private banks and public institutions, while the Bank for International Settlements, known as BIS, will provide technical support. BIS is helping to push CBDC adoption globally. As Atlee writes in this piece, it is helping the Swiss National Bank to develop a wholesale CBDC, as well as assisting in building a joint platform with the Century Monetary Authorities of China, Hong Kong, Thailand and the United Arab Emirates. It's also developing a proof of concept for a transactions tracker with the European Central Bank, among numerous other projects. CBDCs are a contentious subject in crypto, and I'm generally one of the people that are suspicious of them. Although CBDCs gain the benefits of digital money, they lose one of the largest USPs decentralization, among a multitude of other drawbacks. But I'll leave it to the financial experts to dismantle that concept. On Tuesday, I went through a new class action lawsuit that's been filed against Apple and claims Apple has restricted peer-to-peer crypto tech and payments on iOS devices, affecting apps such as PayPal's Venmo and Block's Cash App. It was said that Apple entered into an anti-competitive agreement with PayPal and Block. Apple has been infamously difficult for crypto and blockchain apps on its app store, and ones that managed to get past the gatekeepers were met with the 30% Apple tax on in-app payments. Now, the most popular Lightning Payments app and one of the most popular crypto apps on Apple, Wallet of Satoshi, has disappeared from both Apple and Google US app stores, sparking more speculation. 
Yesterday, Martin Young wrote a piece about the influx of wallet of Satoshi users that had taken to X to complain that the app had vanished from app stores, with the rumor being that it had been banned in the US. So although it had been removed from the Apple App Store, it had also been removed from Google Play, but in both instances, it was only in the US. Users in Australia and other countries were still able to see it and download it. It's pretty uncomfortable timing for this too, because Wallet of Satoshi has had a billboard month and has been on pace to process over 1.1 million lightning payments in November alone, according to Kevin Rook. So it's undoubtedly a real hit for the app. But was it banned? Well, Wallet of Satoshi has finally tweeted about the situation. And although the app isn't banned, they said, we've made the difficult decision to remove our app from the US Apple and Google app stores and will not serve US customers going forward. The implication from this tweet is a familiar one. The US is not a safe or stable place to build a crypto business. Wallet of Satoshi did say that, we're hopeful that future developments will allow us to revisit and possibly resume our operations in the US. If you are a US user with funds on the app, do not panic. You have full access to your crypto and can transfer it to another wallet. But that's it, more or less. It's a shame that the US isn't the hub it could be for crypto innovation and that so many promising and successful companies have to move abroad to function. So what do you make of this? Tweet at Cointelegraph or me on at ArcadeBags with your thoughts. Jim Cramer has admitted he was wrong about Bitcoin last year, and I'm as pleased as Michael was when Cramer upgraded the Bluth company to Don't Buy. This week, Cramer's CNBC show Mad Money received a call about buying shares in the Bitcoin mining firm CleanSpark, which prompted Cramer to discuss Bitcoin. Cramer gets a bit of a bad rap when it comes to crypto, but he has made some spectacularly poor calls. In July 2022, Cramer said of crypto, there's no real value there. This came after Kramer said he was a believer in Ethereum and predicted ETH could see a 35-40% to 40% return in the near future. When he said this, Ethereum was at $3,000. These predictions spawned several parody Twitter accounts that essentially recommend doing the opposite of whatever Kramer recommends. Still, on the show this week, he did admit fault, kind of, on advising people to empty their crypto coffers last year. He said, look, if you like Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. That has always been my view. And for a while, I liked it. And I decided that money had been made, but I was premature. So what was he premature about? Which suggests he'll be right eventually, by the way. Well, on the 5th of December 2022, on a now infamous episode of his show, Kramer made headlines and irked vast swathes of the crypto community by saying that investors in Bitcoin, and crypto in general, should sell no matter the loss you make because it's, and I quote, never too late to sell an awful position. I needn't highlight the issue here, but for the sake of clarity, since that 5th of December show last year, Bitcoin has well over doubled in price. So the real fear here is that Kramer goes on to recommend Bitcoin. Okay, it's time for the speed round. There is a brilliant long read feature by Michael Tabone called Bitcoin Supercycle 2024. Is this the cycle to end them all? This piece is way too long for me to do justice to in this podcast, and so you should definitely give it a read. The insightful article discusses crypto cycles, the markets and predictions for the future, including that of Bitcoin educator Dan Held, who in 2020 predicted a Bitcoin supercycle due to network adoption and scarcity from halving. So if you want to feel good about 2024, I have linked this article in the show notes. <laughs> I'm loving those speed rounds. Okay, that is it for today. Consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise and Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing, or leaving a review. Have a great Black Friday. Let's do this again Monday.